Tonight, we continue. We are in part four of Tracks Upon the Mountain of Transfiguration. <clears throat> you know, this thing about the tracks is so important. It is so Bible. If a person really wants to know the story, you know, it's, it's, it's like when you go into the Bible and like Moses gave his two sons names. And each of those names that he gave to his two sons had to do with something about his ministry and about the call and 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 the possible future of of the sons. So just as names reveal uh, stories and history and mysteries, God has mysteries linked throughout the entire Bible. The Word of God, as we used to sing a song, is so wonderful. I think it went something like this. The Word of God is so wonderful. And we used to sing that, and we'll probably sing it again one of these days. But the Word of God is so wonderful. And there are such revelations, but you know that without the Holy Spirit revealing these revelations, we are like a chunk of wood that doesn't have any pulsation. And so these um, revelations about the tracks upon the mountain are very important, as you will see as we continue this. If there are any of you people tonight that are listening for the first time, please do realize that there have been three teachings that preceded this one. And you really need to go back and listen to those first chance you get because they are recorded and they are available on the manifestor.org site. So please do that. Just briefly, going over a few things from last week, um, we, um, we talked about how that Joseph is uh, the um, uh, ancient Jewish writer. How that um, how that Joseph uh, said the birth of Moses was prophesied by the stars, and uh, that that I thought was so so neat. That I thought was so so super true. Uh, and um, we also know we talked about how that the history of Moses uh, was erased by Pharaoh uh, after there was that split between Pharaoh and Moses. Uh, Moses was an adopted son of the Pharaoh, and uh, and then they turned to be enemies. And uh, there's a missing 40 years history of Moses that was lived at the time that he was really involved with the Egyptian uh, uh, hierarchy and uh, and history and military. <clears throat> and we remember reading, uh, as we have each week almost, in Jude 9, uh, where um, Satan argues and debates with Michael the Archangel about the body of Moses. And uh, we remembered um, telling you about in Zechariah chapter 3 how that when 
the Lord was dealing with uh, the priest uh, Joshua. Uh, this was not the Joshua in the time of Moses, but that um, Satan appeared, and and uh, and uh, the angel of the Lord had to rebuke Satan. So we showed how that these kind of things, meeting of powers and principalities, have been going on since the beginning of time, since the the uh, fall of uh, Lucifer. Uh, to become Satan. There is so much that is of revelation. Um, if we just took the words of Jesus, Luke ten eighteen, I saw lightning, I saw Lucifer fall from heaven like lightning. Uh, that is a, a big story there. And there's a lot to that. Uh, you know, and we could really, we could speak on that for probably an hour without any question. That's not the message tonight, but uh, just, you know, lightly going over some of these things. We talked about Mount Nebo, uh, which is uh, sort of on the opposite side of the Jordan River, uh, being on the east side the Jordan, uh, of the Jordan River, uh, and, and it's just opposite, so to speak, of Jericho, uh, close to uh, the um, Dead Sea. And uh, we talked about... Um, you know, uh, how that um, <clears throat> uh, the children of Israel, uh, you know, they were given possession of, of the land. Some of them, uh, some of the tribes, uh, you know, like, uh, like Reuben, Gad, Manasseh, uh, to some extent Dan, uh, they took up possession um, uh, on the east side of Jordan. Uh, Dan sort of skipped around. Uh, for a while, it was uh, close to Ephraim and Benjamin, uh, down closer to the land of Judah. Uh, but then the prophecy said that that uh, Dan would leap, and and that is exactly what did happen. Uh, Dan ran into a lot of problems with the Philistines uh, people. We call them the Philistines, uh, and. Uh, they they just they wanted out of there, so they end up moving closer to Mount Hermon. In fact, just right at the base of Mount Hermon, almost to speak. And so when we talked about from Dan to Beersheba, Beersheba was down uh, closer to the area of like Judah, uh, that that covered the basically the whole length of of Israel. And that was interesting. We talked about the uh, underground city. Uh, of uh, of Bashan, uh, the Edrei, with its uh, 20 miles of, of underground, uh, you know, uh, livability, and how utterly incredible that whole thing was that had been part of the satanic plan for the giants. Um, and uh, we talked about uh, the name Sinai uh, actually uh, having a uh, derivative that could associate it with uh, the, the same name as the burning bush. And uh, so that, I think, is is also very interesting. Um, there are, we learned other names uh, for the uh, for the mountains, uh, for the mountain-like uh, of, um, you know, of, of, uh, of Hermon, uh, like uh, there is uh, the name where it was called the Mountain of the Gods. And uh, that was Har Halohim. And so uh, there's just so much interesting there uh, that 
uh, we talked about and a whole lot more than that because it was an hour and a half of, of ministry. Now, we're going to go back. We want to talk about Moses. Moses showed up on the Mount of Transfiguration. And we're going back in time, and we're going to look at some really revelating scriptures to see exactly why Moses was suddenly able to show up uh, when it seemed as though that he was told he could never uh, cross the River Jordan uh, or go to the Promised Land, that because uh, of a problem he had of smiting the rock instead of, um, you know, just um, uh, speaking to the rock. So let's just start with that. That's a good place to start, uh, Exodus 17, 6. Uh, I'm going to just sort of be paraphrasing what those scriptures say, not turning to too many of them, but you have them to look up and to verify. Exodus 17, 6. Um, um, the Lord tells Moses to strike the rock upon Horeb, uh, where the Lord stands and the water will gush out. Now, in this particular incidence, in this particular incidence, um, the um, the Lord is um, telling Moses to strike the rock, to strike it. Now, I hope that you get that down into your mind. Uh, I think that's pretty important that uh, that you that you uh, have that down. That that this was a a precedent. This was uh, a time in which the people were out of water and they were very thirsty and they were very complaining. And so um, Moses said, okay, I'm going to go and I'm going to stand on this rock, you know, this rock at uh, Mount uh, Horeb. And um, you are then to come and uh, strike the, uh, uh, you know, to strike the rock. And when you strike it uh, with your rod, then water will gush out. So Moses, um, he had experience with God telling him to, to strike the rock, and that would cause the water to come out. And so it was something God had told him, uh, and we call that rock one. Then in uh, rock two, uh, this, this, um, this takes place um, at the waters of Mirabah, uh, Kaddish, the waters of Mirabah Kadesh, we have um, the thing uh, in the scripture, um, you know, that is um, very, very important for everyone to be aware of uh, as as uh, we get into these revelations. Um, this this is like in Deuteronomy thirty two fifty one, because you tras- trespassed against me. Um, uh, the children of Israel at the waters of Meribah, Kadesh, in the wilderness, because you sanctified me not um, in um, the uh, presence or in the midst of the children of Israel. Uh, this is this time Moses again strikes the rock like he did before, like God told him to do before. But this time God had not told him to strike the rock. He told him to speak to it. And the effect of him speaking to the rock was going to be so simulating and so outstanding because uh, it says that it would have sanctified God to them. It would have sanctified the Lord to them uh, if he had spoken to the rock instead of striking the rock. 
because he did not uh, speak to the rock as he was told, but struck the rock as he had been told also another time, and it was okay at that time. Um, but this time he was not to repeat that. He was to do it differently, and that would have sanctified the Lord in the sight of these people because that did not occur, uh, that displeased God, and it changed an epic, a, a, a great epic that, that was to happen at that time that did not happen. Um, of course, uh, at that event uh, of uh, the waters of Meribah, Kadesh, the people were, were very much in rebellion. And uh, they were, they were uh, really um, saying some not nice things against Moses, against God, uh, because they didn't have water. Uh, we cannot judge anybody uh, who would be uh, afraid of uh, not having water. Water is a source of life, and if there was just no water to drink, uh, it would be scary, it would be dangerous, it would be fearful for most people. And so we can't really judge these people for being so upset about the water thing, uh, but God wanted these people to be uh, more trusting because there's a series of incidents recorded throughout the Bible where God led uh, Moses and and his people to water. And he always fulfilled uh, providing for the people. So God wanted people to, to have that appreciation and have that faith. But, you know, it just seems like uh, shortly after people have a benefit given to them, uh, they can easily forget, and they just they just uh, lose track of what really really uh, is the uh, continued thing that God does. So this time um, Moses also struck the rock, but he was not supposed to, and as a result of that, um, he was told that he would not be able to go across the River Jordan. He would not be able to go to the to the promised land. Now that's not just the end of it, because as we will get into these scriptures, we will find that there is a whole lot more to it than that, and uh, and that these uh, revelations are, uh, you know, very very important. And and so let's just uh, think about that for a, a bit. Now. Um, there are some some interesting um, interesting things to to start with here, and <clears throat> if we were looking at numbers sixteen uh, nineteen through thirty, I, I don't know that I'll read the whole thing, but I might. Um, I'll read some part of it anyway. Um, Korah and some of the family tribes uh, that he was uh, enmeshed with, um, they were not happy. They were not happy with how Moses was running the government of Israel, uh, the, theolo- the uh, theocracy uh, of, of Israel. And uh, they felt that, uh, you know, <clears throat> they should be able to take open, uh, take over. Uh, well, um, there started to actually be, you know, uh, almost a riot and, and, a, and a pretty great division starting to happen uh, between the tribes. Uh, Moses um, was spoken to by the Lord, and and he knew what to do. So he said, uh, all you people that are with Korah, 
you stand on this certain location by him and you that are not with him get out of there get separated from him even if you your family and you're not with him in the deeds that he's doing get away from him it's very important that you get away from him and so they they um that were believers in what Moses was saying uh got out of the area where uh Korah was and when uh they did it was very interesting because uh, when when they got out of the way, shortly thereafter, the ground opened up and swallowed uh, Korah and the followers that were with him, and he disappeared down into the earth. You know, <clears throat> I wasn't thinking about that event uh, the other night when I was sleeping. I had a dream, and I hadn't been thinking about this event of Korah, but it sure did remind me afterwards. I had this dream that uh, I was in this city, and there was this uh, person with a very dark uh, uh, countenance, we'll say. And uh, he saw me, and I saw him, and and he was across the street, and he says, uh, I want to fight you. And I said, well, I I don't even know who you are. I don't have any reason to uh, want to fight fight you, or I don't have anything against you. And he says, well, I want to fight you anyway. And then I start talking about some of the people that he knew and that I knew who those people were and and, the, and that the, his particular, um, you know, um, breed of person that that I knew a lot of people, uh, you know, like that and, and that there were some of them that were friends and I loved them. And uh, he says, I don't care about this love thing. He says, I don't care about any of that. He says, I, I want to fight you. So he walked across the street, he had his fist up, and I was looking and I was thinking, wow, uh, you know, this, probably, this guy's probably pretty strong, he was a big guy, had a lot of uh, of uh, muscular looks to him, and uh, young and probably had a lot of stamina. So I knew that if I was going to fight him, I would have to take him out almost with the first blow, um, and, and so I was just looking over the in a strategy where we were. And as he was coming over closer to me with his fist raised, I heard this noise, cha-cha-cha-cha-cha. And when I looked intensely toward him, I saw the ground open up all around him, and he he just, bam, disappeared into a hole in the ground. And when I woke up from that dream, I just knew God was saying, look, there's a lot of things confrontational out there, there's more that you don't even know about that you will run into. Uh, but I am going to go before you. I am going to be with you. And and, and I am going to take those uh, confrontations uh, out of your way. And uh, you, can, you can trust me. You can believe in me. You can know that I am your Lord. I am your God. And <clears throat> I awoke from that dream. I, I was so moved. I was so touched. I, I was so... So... In the spirit uh, from that that uh, that dream, it was just beautiful. Uh, I think though that that dream wasn't limited just to me. I think that dream was meant for me to tell this, because there may be people out there listening today to this message, and that experience, and you should know that you can apply that to yourself. That God loves you, God cares about you, God is watching out for you, and He can defend you against anything that may happen. 
So just keep your faith in God. Just keep your love toward God. And everything is going to work out for you and, and, and for the work for God in your life. Because God is just beautiful that way. Now, there's another story that is a very, in a way, similar to this rebellion. And um, it's, um, it's during the time that um, in, the thir- in the 12th chapter of, um, of Numbers, when Miriam and Aaron, they spoke against Moses because of the Ethiopian woman whom he had married. And um, he had, uh, uh, you know, married this, uh, you know, Ethiopian woman, and they felt that um, that this was a horrible thing that he had done, because that uh, the teachings of Moses was that all of the the people of Israel should marry within the tribes, and uh, and and he felt that. Uh, you know that this that, that he had he had he had fallen he had had sinned and uh and then they said uh you know in the the second verse of the twelfth chapter of numbers uh, uh hath not the Lord indeed spoken has the Lord only spoken by Moses has he not only spoken by us well the Lord heard that and the story goes like this then the Lord had a pillar of light come down from this sort of cloud-like thing, which I believe was a, a zith, a flying zith, a, 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 an angelic craft. And, um, and then he uh, photo-translated onto the door of the, the tabernacle. And he stood there before um, Aaron and, and, bef- and before Miriam, and he says, now look, you need to understand something. I have talked with Moses face to face. That is a rare thing. Most all other people, I, I talk to them through dreams. And I talk to them in a relative type of way, but not face to face. You know, there's no one else in all the tribe that I talk face to face to but Moses. And why have you dared to judge this man who has this connection to me? And I know they can make their points about, well, you know, she, he, he married this Ethiopian woman. And, uh, and you know, she may have been darker of, of facial features and body than they liked. And they, they just thought that, you know, he was marrying out to some heathen group. And, and, and so they decided to to bring these charges against Moses. But the Lord came down, and the Lord doesn't mention this Ethiopian woman. It is very interesting that that later in time that uh, the Ethiopians uh, end up being uh, part of the lost tribes. And in Israel today, there are a good number of Ethiopians, and there are more Ethiopians in Ethiopia uh, who claim to be the offspring uh, of Israel and and claim to be Jews. So, um, in a sense, they are uh, part of the offspring uh, promise of nations that would rise uh, and would be under the blessings of Abraham. And uh, it's very, very, I think, very, very uh, awesome 
that that uh, they would not be able to connect with except in their knowledge of their history at their time and this is <coughs> excuse me this is what people oftentimes do not understand when they are equating things about the bible and about god is they try to put the narratives uh, applicable to their viewpoint as they understand it being relative uh, to the things they know and the time that they live in. Not understanding that when God looks at us, he looks back in time and sees us before we fell. <clears throat> By the same token, he looks forward in time and he sees uh, connections and and uh, revelation and uh, actual um uh, prophetic things that will occur, and uh, uh, he he compares that to, to all of those things. Uh, it is the beautiful and the and the and the blessed um, message that I teach on, called uh, you know eternal justification, not just based on a little break of a time period or a little a present experience of life. Uh, even though that may be, you know, a good number of years, it is still nothing when compared to the long term of of, of the history that as God deals. So uh, uh, God did not God did not make a, a judgment against Moses. God, in fact, through Christ, came down in this angel uh, uh, who was the Lord and uh, and stood up and made this compassionate um, statement about Moses and how the, the, that these two people who felt that God spoke to them, they had the right to have make decisions based on what they thought was right and just. And he basically said, you know, you're nothing compared to the, the revelation and, and to the communion that I have with Moses. I have a face-to-face -face revelation with him. I don't have a face-to-face -face re relationship with you, Miriam, or with you, Aaron. And you are not in the same juncture point of time or in the same juncture point of, of uh, revelation as Moses. So then, you know, God put a judgment on both these two persons. And Miriam, she even, even became uh, leprous. And it was, only after the, after, it was only after the prayers of Moses that uh, she was delivered from that leprosy, but she still had to stay outside of the the gates of of uh, the people of Israel, or outside the camp, until uh, you know at least uh, you know seven days or a week was up. Uh, but I think that that is very important. That as these revelations are coming out, uh, there will always be people that will judge based on judgment according to the timetable that they have lived in to the to the knowledge limits that they have understood and they will make judgments and Jesus knowing that gave the advice don't ever judge judge not because if you if you judge you're going to be judged uh, according to your judgment that will not be a ripened mature understanding about life and about how God deals and works so Moses, uh, you know, uh, was challenged by his own brother, by his own sister. And they were given high 
places in the administration of the of the people of Israel. And they were making this charge against him before all the people. But God came down and did a face-to-face, but in a very special kind of way. Uh, You know, they, it was like, it was like a, it was like a pillar of light. And he spoke to them through this pillar of light. And, and so it was different than the kind of face-to-face that, um, that Moses has ha- had had, because they were like looking through a, a glass darkly, which there's a lot of people in the religious, uh, you know, attitudes that that's how they look. They're looking through glass darkly. Okay, so now um, uh, let's let's just go on with, um, you know, uh, with this with this uh, revelation. Uh, I think it is. Uh, you know, going to be quite the journey we're going to take tonight. It's it's just it's just going to be a very interesting journey. Okay, so in Deuteronomy thirty four one, um, God speaks again to Moses, and he says, uh, you know, he's going to be buried in the in a valley in the land of Moab, over against Beth Peor, or as it is also said, Baal Peor. And no man would know of his sepulture unto this day. So the incredible thing about it is there are some um, very challenging, interesting things that uh, we want to get into on the subject of what happened to Moses besides the thing of striking the rock. Um, you know, um, in... Um, <clears throat> Exodus um, 33, 11 through 22, um, the Lord speaks, uh, the Lord says that he speaks face to face as a man speaks to a friend. Now that is very relative. And that's how he describes speaking to Moses. So then Moses, uh, uh, Moses, um, uh, in verse 20 though, you know, and, in, and we're in the same chapter. That's like that's like Exodus, uh, you know, uh, thirty-three, eleven, and then by the time we get to verse twenty, uh, the Lord uh, Moses is asking God, uh, I, "I want to have a, a an advanced relationship. I, I want to be able to to know you more as a person than I than I know you now." Even though the Bible says that the Lord speaks face to face as a man speaks to a friend. Moses is still understanding that there's there is something different about that relationship than a, than what a deeper relationship could be and what a deeper vision of that whole thing could be. And the Lord speaks to him in verse 20 and the Lord says, "You cannot see me face to face. But I'll tell you what I'll do. I'm going I will I will go past this rock. And you put your hand up in front of your face. And when I get past the rock, then you can look and you will see my hinder parts. And I will allow you to see my hinder parts. Well, I did quite a study and teaching on that some many years ago uh, that that uh, proved that the hinder parts of the Lord were the, his angels. 
So, so Moses was able to see his angels. And, uh, so we know that's part of the reason why he had the revelation, you know, of the, of the 20,000 angels at one time, 10,000, uh, angel saints at another time, uh, <clears throat> because he had been gifted and allowed to be able to see them as, as part of his request. But yet there seems to be a, a, a contradiction there, but it is not. Uh, there is a contrasted, uh, contrasted uh, uh, revelation here because the scripture says in one place, I speak to him face to face as a friend. I think we can understand that. But in another place, he says, no, you cannot look at my face because if you do, you will die. Now, we have to understand this parallel that there is between the the Lord and the Father, which art in heaven. Uh, we have to understand that those dual entities are one entity, and that there is the higher and the lower a self-revelation of of the manifold uh, God, and as the manifold God is revealing Himself as 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 you know, angels and as various entities, and finally later in the New Testament as Jesus Christ, uh, there is also still the revelation of of the Father. And and uh, and Moses was told, you cannot see the Father, because if you did, uh, you are not ready uh, to handle the syntonic fire, is what he basically was saying. You would die. It, it would be too pure. The purity would kill you. And so many times then when it says the Lord this, uh, and then the Lord this is speaking to another Lord that, and these two parallels are entwined because at the same time a person is one person, the person is also a second person. And that is all part of the mystery of God. And it is a an exciting thing that if if a person would allow themselves to be enveloped with this truth, uh, they they would they they would just move uh, eons of time forward. <coughs> Blessed be the name of God. Blessed be the name of God. Okay, so we're going to move on. <clears throat> some of this Moses information. Okay. Um, now, when the people used to come to to the, uh, before the mountain, they were told, don't get too close. Don't touch the mountain. Don't even let your animals touch the mountain. Because if you do, uh, you're liable to die. Now, uh, that's a scary thing for these people. And so the people decided that um, <clears throat> that it, um, it had to be dealt with. All right, now um, we're going to uh, we're going to go on and just keep talking about some of these other interesting things. Um, we, um, we know that that, um, that that there's like a covenant that was made. Because what, what, what are we getting at? We're trying to show you tonight why Moses was chosen to go to the mount. 
We want to show you that, that, that there was a plan that goes all the way back into the, the, the Old Testament, that the tracks of this whole occasion on the Mount of Transfiguration uh, was already foretold by uh, connections and links and, and, and happenings uh, that were done way, way in the past. Um, the people asked Moses to represent them. So Moses became the representative of those people. Now we're going to see where that that connection went way beyond just the present, uh, as we get into you know some of these these other um, other scriptures, because that that is all part of uh, you know the opening up of, of these revelations. They're just they're just uh, you know beautiful uh, once you really are able to put them into your into your mind. Okay, now. <clears throat> Let's just read a few more um, of these scriptures and just let you really be able to, you know, to take this in and and benefit from it. Um, <clears throat> in uh, Deuteronomy 5, 24, 28, there was a question asked, who has survived hearing God speak out of the fire and live? And uh, it also goes on to say the Lord accepts it as a good decision, the people choosing Moses to stand in their stead. So the, Moses, the people asked Moses to stand in their stead, and God, the Lord, accepts it. And that's in Deuteronomy 5, 24, 28. So this is a binding covenant that is agreed upon uh, uh, between the people, Moses, and the Lord. Now, that's very important, this covenant, you know, and uh, that that is absolutely, uh, you know, essential. <clears throat> in Deuteronomy 5, 2, uh, the Lord made a covenant with us in Horeb. Uh, that's Deuteronomy 5, 2. Um, this uh, covenant, uh, verse 3, uh, Deuteronomy 5, 3, had not been made with any of the other, far, other fathers, like Abraham or Isaac or Jacob. They didn't have this same covenant. This is something special, something new, you know. And uh, and part of it was that, uh, verse 4, the Lord uh, uh, talked face to face with Moses in the mount, out of the midst of the fire. And uh, verse 5, uh, the Lord stood, uh, Moses stood between the Lord and the people uh, because they were afraid of the fire. They were afraid of the fire. That's verse 5, Deuteronomy 5. Just backing up, you know, things I said just a little bit ago. So you've got the scripture for it. Deuteronomy 5, verse 5, the people were afraid of the fire, so Moses stands in between. And, and, uh, and so he is standing in as a representative, uh, you know. And we know that the Lord accepted it. It is a good decision. That was Deuteronomy 5 through uh, 24 through 28. He accepted it as a good decision that the people had decided to choose and, and uh, have Moses represent them in this, in this whole thing of of. Uh, the fire and the speaking of God and the meeting with the with God in in the in the uh, in the mountain. <clears throat> okay, um, 
when this thing happened at the um, at Meribah, Kadesh, when Moses struck the rock instead of speaking to it. Interestingly, as I said, we're going to go back and check some scriptures with that. In Deuteronomy one thirty-seven, it says, The Lord was angry with me for your sakes. <clears throat> after all, after all, it was uh, the fault of the people because they were complaining. And that was one of the reasons that Moses was very upset and struck the rock because of their complaints. But it says, The Lord was angry with me for your sakes, saying, You shall not go thither. So Moses was not allowed to go uh, at this time that it spoke of over the Jordan. He was not he was not allowed. He was going to have to then go up to the mountain and he would pass on to to another uh, time frame. And and so um, Moses then was bearing the burden of Israel. And we have to understand that as part of what was going on and how that that all works into this this uh, promise and this covenant uh, that that the people had with Moses and Moses had with them and the Lord. And that the Lord was angry, uh, uh, you know, as he said with me, for your sakes, saying you shall not go thither. Okay? So Moses bears the the burden for Israel. All right. Now, um, um, then, <clears throat> uh, you know, before all this happens, of course, Moses was involved with a lot of the battles that took place in the land of the giants. Uh, it, they, some of the, the people that were sent to spy out the land, they talk about the wilderness uh, of, of, of Zen and how, uh, Absolutely horrible that it was. <clears throat> it was a very, very difficult wilderness to transcend, and uh, they 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 just describe it as a horrible wilderness. Um, but but anyway, from a whole very very long and big area on the west side of of um, of um, the Jordan River, almost parallel to the other side of of the Dead Sea. And on up all all the way to Hermon was like the land of the giants. There were a few other people living in there too, but but uh, they they were in league with the giants, and um, uh, it 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 there there are like there must be a dozen different names of different kinds of giants, and they're not just one kind of a giant. There's all kinds of giants, and there must be a, different kind of names. I don't want to get into that today. Because it would uh, extend, um, it would extend what we're uh, talking about uh, pretty heavily, and uh, and get uh, quite involved uh, more so than I think that we would really want to get involved with such an extension. Uh, but just these points that I'm making, how that there was this covenant, and that how for their sake Moses took on their sins, and. He struck the rock, and he received the punishment. Uh, the The limit that was put on him uh, happened, uh, you know, because because of that. Uh, <clears throat> so then, in Deuteronomy three, uh, one through uh, thirty one, rather Deuteronomy thirty one, one through two, Moses spake the words that 
that limits had been put on him. And he, and he was 120 years old, and he could no more go out and come in as before. Now, we mentioned this last week. And he said uh, he could not, uh, would not, was not going to be allowed to go over uh, the River Jordan. Um, then in, in Deuteronomy 31.14, the Lord said to, to Moses, The days approach that you must die. Uh, present Joshua and yourself to the people. Um, now, <clears throat> I want you to listen very careful and get this so that you don't, um, you don't miss the points that I'm going to get. Uh, we, we, we wonder about this word die. Uh, could it possibly mean something else? Or if it does mean this uh, die, what are the extenuating facts about it? Well, there's something interesting here in, in Deuteronomy 31.14. The Lord said, The days approach that you must die. Uh, present your, your, you and, your, and Joshua. Present Joshua and yourself before the people. Uh, verse um, 15, that was thirty-one, uh, Deuteronomy 31, 14, and now verse 15, And the Lord appeared in a pillar of light at the tabernacle door, and the pillar of the cloud stood over the door of the tabernacle. Uh, and the Lord said to Moses, Behold, you shall sleep with the fathers. You shall sleep with the fathers. Now, I know the argument can be made that that term has been used uh, to just represent death. But Jesus was very emphatic about it when he was talking to his disciples about Lazarus, who they kept saying had died, and, he's, and he kept saying, no, he's just, he's just sleeping. And they said, well, Lord, that, that's no big deal. Then if he's just sleeping, that'd be fine. But are you sure? Uh, you know, I mean, I don't think that's, that's what... Uh, his sister is saying, his sister is saying that he died. And they just kept at it, so finally the Lord said, okay, you know, have it your way. We'll say he died. But in, in the vocabulary of Jesus, uh, Lazarus was not dead. He was, he, was, he was asleep. Now, here we have this scripture that says that, um, and this, this is Deuteronomy 31, 14, and then and 15. And it's, and it says that uh, and and sixteen. So we want thirty one fourteen through sixteen. And the Lord said, Behold, you shall sleep with your fathers. Now, is there anything, anything of any kind of connection uh, that would go along with this to show something in a uh, <clears throat> in an especially interesting way? Uh, that that uh, would reveal that that this was a sleep. I think that um, I think that that could be extremely fa uh, fascinating, and uh, it could be uh, extremely powerful if if there was something of of that uh, that uh, revelation. Now we're going to show that to you. If you look at Deuteronomy thirty four one. It says, uh, Moses, you know, you are, you are going to die in the mount, uh, and you are to go up and be gathered unto the people, as Aaron, thy brother, died in the mount Hor, 
and was gathered unto his people. Now, we have to look at this and say, well, no one could find Moses. No one could find his sepulcher. No one could find Moses. Um, so, although they did mourn him, uh, he was never gathered unto his people like Aaron was. So there seems to be like a, an instruction, a prophecy, but the prophecy doesn't come to pass. Because right here in the scripture, it very, very, very clearly says, very clearly, you know, it says, you're going to go, you die, you're going to die in the mount, you're going to go up and be gathered unto the people. As Aaron thy brother died in the Mount Hor and was gathered into his people. So you have this com comparative. As, as Aaron died in a mountain and was gathered into his people, this is going to happen to you. But the fact of the matter is, as I understand it, and as the Bible teaches it, that did not happen. So then, what was the meaning of this? Is this a false prophecy? Or is it a deferred prophecy? And that's what I want to get into tonight, that, that there was a deferred prophecy. Now, in Deuteronomy uh, 32-34, there is a prophecy. And, uh, and it's, it's about Moses. And he says in verses 29 through, uh, actually, um, we're talking, we, we should say, uh, I, I think I've got this right. Uh, it must be, it must be Deuteronomy 29, 31. Um, I'd have to look that up to be sure here, the way I did my writing. But anyway, it says, uh, it is not, is not this laid up in store uh, for me and sealed among thy treasure, Lord? That was verse 34. Yeah, so it is Deuteronomy 32, 34. And then verse 35. To me belongs vengeance and recompense. Now we have forensic evidence that you have Moses dying, but you also have him going into a sleep. You have Moses going to be uh, uh, buried and then gathered to his uh, to his people, like Aaron died upon the mountain and was gathered to his people, but that did not happen. You have this debate going on between Satan and Michael the Archangel over the body of of Moses, and we see, as I have revealed to you, that there was a covenant between the Lord, between Moses and the people, that it was laid upon Moses to be the one to stand between the Lord and the people to bring the message, to bring the message. Okay. Now, we're not finished. This is, um, this is interesting. Now, let's just throw this in for a little divvy to keep in mind 
that not just anybody at any time can fill the shoes of Moses. Deuteronomy 34.10 says, And there was not a prophet since in Israel likened to Moses, whom the Lord knew face to face. Now, that's talking about at the time. That's talking about up to the time that that was written. There, there had not arisen a prophet since that time up to then in Israel likened to Moses, whom the Lord knew face to face. So we're not just dealing with uh, just just anybody here. Uh, we are dealing with something very, very uh, involved and we're just beginning to put the the picture together here. Uh, and we have some more things to add to this. That is just absolutely simulating and interesting. Absolutely simulating and interesting. Now, um, we want to... Uh, uh, and remember now, Mo, uh, remember that the people ask Moses to represent him, you know. And that the Lord approves that, and I gave you the, the the scriptures of that. But now there is um, a, a scripture that is just um, uh, absolutely incredible, and uh, I want to read this um, this scripture to you because it opens up uh, it opens up a new valve. It it it. Uh, it's in Deuteronomy twenty nine fourteen through 15. Neither with you only do I make this covenant and this oath, but with him that standeth here with, this, here with us this day. Now, get this. I want you to really, really listen to this and understand it. Neither with you only do I make this covenant and this oath, but with him that standeth with us this day before the Lord our God and also with him that is not here with us this day. Now, this goes along with that, a revelation. This goes along with a covenant. A covenant that was made not only for the people of the days of Moses, but was made for the people of a future time. So, the job, the mission, the covenant, the promise for Moses to go and be on Mount of Trans on the Mount of Transfiguration was all written, ladies and gentlemen, in the Word of God. Because the covenant that was made for him to for, for Moses to represent uh, the people was not only made for that time in which he lived as Moses among those people, but was also to include, as I read you here in Deuteronomy twenty nine, fourteen through fifteen to include those people that were not there, but, were, but of course would be there in a future time. Wow. This is just, you know, absolutely sensational when you really begin to get this. Now, 
We've got some other super, super, super stuff to tie into this. That's not all. We're just we're just getting warmed up. There are some really incredibly super things to add into this. Now, <clears throat> we want to get uh, into a little bit of this um, um, with this understanding again in Deuteronomy 29. <clears throat> We call this deferred progeny. When something is deferred to another time, um, this is a dual deferred pro progeny. It, it is it's something that happens at the time and then something that happens again at a deferred time. And we remember reading in Deuteronomy 29.5, And I have led you forty years in the wilderness, your clothes are not waxen old upon you. You and your shoes are not waxen old, uh, nor are your shoes waxen old upon your feet. There is something about this deferred progeny, this, this covenant that's able to be transferred. Uh, it, it has a transformation in it that somehow incorporates resurrection power and trans-assimilation of the divine nature. So that it even affects not only people, but it affects things that pertain to people, like their clothes and like their shoes, so that their, their shoes and their clothes do not age. If you can appreciate the power of the miracle that that was, that was an incredibly, absolutely fantastic thing. Just utterly fantastic. And this revelation of you shall sleep with your fathers. We're beginning to see this now in a in a a trio of all kinds of of, of mixture that is quite interesting. And we want you to really really not forget what we're teaching here. I do not make this covenant and this oath just with you, but also with him that is not here represented with us today. Wow. That is divine. That is absolutely awesome. What, what, what can a person say to such incredible revelation like that that's, that's hidden in the Bible because most eyes just can't see it. Wow. <clears throat> okay. Now, let me, let me move on. We've got so much to cover. There's a lot of really good stuff to cover and we don't, uh, we don't want to miss any, any of it. We don't want to miss any of it. Um, God is going to raise up a prophet like unto Moses. Deuteronomy 18.15 And we're going to read some more scripture that goes along like that. We're going to, we're going to see how this all ties in in, in such a 
powerful and business uh, beautiful way uh, that that you know God that God has for us. Okay. Now we're going to give you some more scripture here so that you can uh, really be full of the fire of God before we finish this. Let's go over this one more time. Five two. The Lord our God made a covenant with us in in Horeb. Not made uh, uh, with the fathers Abram, Isaac, and Jacob. And the Lord talked face to face with you on the mount, and out of the midst of fire. And uh, you were given and chosen to stand between the Lord and and uh, and the people, uh, because they were afraid of the, of the fire, and you were the chosen one in the covenant to do that. I'm trying to repeat these things because I've been asked so many times to go slower, to repeat things so people could really get it and uh, not move at my lightning fast speed so that uh, I've arrived before anyone has even begun to catch on to what I'm trying to say. You know? And uh, <clears throat> we, we talked about the question that people have. How could people even survive, you know, hearing God speak out of the fire and, and, and live? Uh this, this was really a scary time for the people of Israel that they, they lived in. Um, and they were, they were you know, told that they were wise for choosing uh, Moses to stand in for them. And, and then Moses says, you know, don't think that this is the end. Uh, God's going to raise up unto the, to you a prophet from the midst of thee. And he's going to have words put in his mouth and he's going to speak to them all uh, as I shall command you. Now we know that that's talking about you know, Jesus Christ, you know. And uh, and then I hit this part, part again about the Lord was angry with me for your sakes, saying, Thou shalt not go go hither. Okay, now, <clears throat> in Deuteronomy 4.12, And the Lord spake unto you out of the midst of the fire. You heard the voice of the words, but saw no similitude. This is talking about the people. They saw no similitude. Now, it's interesting the use of the word similitude. Similitude means something that is like something else. If you remember when uh, when uh, uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were tossed into the fiery furnace, and um, uh, King Nebuchadnezzar, he looked and he says, Wow, we put three men in there, but I see a fourth in there. And he's walking around and he looks like you know, unto the Son of God. He had a similitude of looking like the Son of God. Well, this thing of similitude is nothing to scoff at. It has a lot of revelation in it, which we're going to try to cover some of that here today. A lot of revelation in it that, that really bespeaks uh, things about, you know, of, of, about, uh, you know, the resurrection and about the power of God and how that people take on uh, different kinds of uh, of forms and different kinds of bodies and and there's all these things that happen uh, that are so extremely interesting. Uh, it it um, it is awesome, absolutely awesome uh, to 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 really get the fullness of this. Now we're going to look at something that gets us over sort of into the resurrection idea. If we look at it, Numbers 11, 
17 and 25 through 26. Um, I think I should probably just should, should just read that. Uh, so we're looking we're looking at Numbers 11, and we're looking at 17, 25, and 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 26. Okay. So here's what it says. I will come down and talk with thee, and I will take of the spirit which is upon you. And he's talking about Moses. I'm going to take the spirit that's upon you. And I'm going to put it upon them, and they shall bear the burden of the people with thee, that they bear it not, uh, th- that that thou bear it not thyself alone. Now, what are we talking about here? You mean that a person's spirit, um, a person's spirit can be shared, that you can share your your spirit with other people. And this spirit can come upon them, and they are affected by that. They they actually begin to take on uh, some of your of your your spirit. Absolutely, that is totally totally a, a Bible, and uh, we're going to get into the the, the depths of this transfer, uh, you know, because it is uh, it, it it is just absolutely. Sensational, you know. Um, okay, now we also know if we look at um, Numbers um, twenty-seven twenty. There's another interesting scripture here. Numbers twenty-seven twenty. Now, who would ever imagined? Who would ever imagined something of this nature? But it's here in the Bible, and it's true. And thou shalt put some of thine honor upon him, that all the children of Israel may be obedient. Here we see honor being transferred, spirit being transferred, what is going on? What does this mean? What does this have to do with the tracks of Moses? Well, it has a lot to do with it. It has a lot. This thing about being able to speak face to face, this thing about being able to have a covenant with the people, and yet having the power to transfer this, there is a, a situation that it tells us um, in which um, Moses um, was told to go up to the mount and he was told to take with him the 70 elders so he took some choice people and the 70 elders up uh, to this, this mountain. And um, while he was there in that mountain, again, the Lord wanted this, his spirit to be put on these people. So Moses took, God took some of the spirit of, of, um, of Moses 
and he put it onto these 70 elders. Two of the elders actually were, were in the camp. They were not there. And they began to prophesy as soon as the spirit of Moses was put on them. They, because Mo- Moses was a prophet. And the, and the spirit came on them. They began to, to, to speaking like the prophet. Uh, uh, Moses and begin to speaking uh, in in prophecies along that line, and that is sensational if you if you can if you can really get this what I'm talking about if you can really go into your your mind and, and heart uh, in 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 a spiritual a, a way. Um, it it is so important because now. This is very much akin to trans-assimilation. <coughs> when we talk about taking on the lifeblood of Jesus, and we talked about um, that people will be able to to share a spiritual life in Him, that we die in Him, we live in Him, and have our being. We can see with these these examples of Moses, how that Moses was able to transfer his spirit with incredible results, was able to transfer his honor with fantastic results. Well, that's trans-assimilation unto Moses. But trans-assimilation unto Jesus is even a more powerful, beautiful way. But we can we we can we can have his spirit in us during the processes of this transassimilation. So when Jesus said, and, and this was really beautiful, when Jesus said in, in John eleven twenty five, "I am the resurrection and the life," he was saying that when you take on this spirit through transassimilation. When you take on my life through my blood of living, you can gradually begin to be um, trans-assimilated. Excuse me. And as you are gradually being trans-assimilated, you are in effect moving into the resurrection life. So when he says, I am the resurrection, as you are taking him on, you are, uh, you are trans-accumulating and you are trans-assimilating the resurrection life just while you live. And it is a process and it does take time. But imagine the power of that. The power of being here on earth and day by day as you trans-assimilate Jesus Christ, you're, tra- you're taking on his spirit, just as Moses put his spirit on the elders. You're taking on his honor, just as Moses put the honor on, 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 on the prophet, on Eliezer. You're, you're able to take effect and become a similitude. Everybody being a similitude in their own entity form through that trans-assimilation to Jesus Christ. So this whole thing with Moses is enormous. And his tracks are enormous. 
Because Moses represents the Mount of Transfiguration. Way back in his time, I mean, he was going on these different mountains. And all these things were happening. And the burning bush, which was a perpetual, you know, ceaseless energy. And his connection with that wasn't just for himself. It was for his ministry to the people. So because Moses has this ministry to the people and connection and link to the people and has a conveyance that he was to stand for the people, not only back then, but for the people that were not even represented at the time, were not even born at the time. So by that covenant and the effect of that uh, promise, that's why Moses came to the Mount of Transfiguration. He was destined to come to the Mount and meet with Jesus. And Moses had met with Jesus before in in a, in a, when when Jesus had a different body. But it was still the Lord. And so it was just like, you know, old times. They were meant to come and be together. They were meant to come and be together. Wow. And this is the beauty of this whole thing that has to do about I am the resurrection and the life. Ladies and gentlemen, this revelation of transassimilation taking on Jesus Christ is foreshadowed by Moses who prophesied that there would be another person like unto him who would rise, who God would direct his ways, which is the Father. And Jesus said that very thing. He says, I do not do my will. I do not say my ideas. I listen to what the Father says, and I speak what the Father tells me to say. And we have a scripture in the New Testament that says that, that the Father even taught Jesus how to raise the dead. Incredible scriptures. I, I did a teaching on that just briefly, not too long ago. So that's why Moses came to the Mount of Transfiguration. It was a covenant. It was a prophecy. And that is why he understood, and I read this to you, that um, that he had um, in this covenant a spiritual promise. And, uh, you know, that, that spiritual promise involved, uh, you know, him being able to have uh, recompense for the things that had happened when he had took on the sins of these other people. And because of their sins, he was penalized for them. And, you know, uh, I read you the scripture. Uh, he had the right he had the right. It was it was it was part of the revelation, part of the of the promise. He had the right uh, to to be able to receive uh, 
that fulfillment of the of the of the prophecy. It was absolutely the will of God, and and he made uh, he made uh, those statements that that uh, you know he, he says that uh, that that he had the right to uh, to be revenged. He had the he had the right to be reconciled, uh, uh to be re- recompensed, uh, and and that's that's all in his writings. So when Jesus when Moses appeared on the Mount of Transfiguration, he was being recompensed for having stood in for the people and represented them and taken on their sins because the Lord had said, all of you people except for Caleb that have been in in the wilderness here trekking for 40 years, None of you are going to be allowed to go over to the promised land. That was huge. These people had left Egypt with the idea of going to the promised land. These people had been enduring the wilderness, the hardships, the toils, with the idea of going to the promised land. But you know what? They misfit themselves so many times that the Lord finally says, none of you are going with the exception of Caleb. The rest will all be new young people that will rise up. That will be the ones that are going. You will not be able to go. And Moses then had to take on their sins of not being able to go over until such a time that he could be as as was in some of the last words that he wrote that he could be uh, recompensed and 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 that and then he made the prophecy that you know that he would. Uh, he would be recompensed, that he would, uh, you know, uh, he would get, uh, you know, vengeance uh, for what uh, for what he had been through, and that's all in the Bible, ladies and gentlemen. And I've read the scriptures to you; it's all there, and it's incredible stuff. Wow. Okay, now let's go on to. Another part here. There's an incredible, fantastic scripture. And I want to show you another connection. Turn with me to Hebrews chapter 12. (coughs) Hebrews 12. And I'm going to read this. Because it is so sensational. And I've read it, of course, many times. Hebrews chapter 12. Blessed be the name of God. Okay. Now, we're going to be looking at uh, verse 18 through 29. We're in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 18 through 29. Here we go. For you are not come into the mount that might be touched, that burned with fire, nor into the blackness and the darkness and the tempests and the sound of the trumpet, and the voice of words, which voice they, that they heard entreated that the words should not be spoken to them any more. For they could not endure that which was commanded. If so much as a beast touched the mountain, it should be stoned or thrust through with a dart. And so terrible was the sight that Moses said, I exceedingly feared and quaked. 
Verse 22, chapter 12, Hebrews. But you are come into the Mount Zion. Now remember, I gave you the scripture for it. I think it was in the last uh, teaching. <clears throat> that Mount Zion and Mount Hermon are the same. So when it says Zion, S-I-O-N, it is referring to Mount Hermon. Now we're getting a connection here all of a sudden. And I want you to really, really, really get this. But you are coming to Mount Zion, unto the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, to the innumerable company of angels. Mount Horeb, Mount Sinai, the burning bush, these experiences, they were all similitudes. Similitudes of the transfiguration on Mount Hermon, which is Zion, S-I-O-N. And I read to you before how that the Bible says connects Mount Zion and Hermon with the very covenant of life, that the issues of life come from the covenant of this whole tie-in to Mount Hermon. I read that to you last week. You have to look it up. And then it goes on that says, you're not having to go back to that old mountain to get this revelation. That now is in the past. The people weren't able to go up to that mountain and meet with God. They weren't able to have this face-to-face -face relationship because they were afraid. They had fear. And they were rebellious. But Moses wants recompense on that. He wanted to come back. He wanted to be able to come back and be face to face with his Lord again as he had in the past. The rock that followed him in the wilderness. And he did come back. And we may not have the time today to get into exactly what the sleep meant and how that this all occurred. But we know that Moses was not gathered unto his people as the scripture said he would be. Not then. Unless we understand that that was a futuristic, a futuristic revelation. And how can Moses be gathered unto his people and who are his people really? Paul said, you know, a Jew is not just a person who is born a Jew. A Jew is a person who is into this spiritual covenant with God. And in Christ, there's neither Jew nor bond nor, nor Greek nor free, male or female. And we begin to come into this revelation. It, it, it gets sensational. So Moses is coming back and he's become a part. And when we talk about the crystal sea, which perhaps next week we'll be getting into some of that, and that revelation, that... <clears throat> That Jesus and Moses are are represented as people are singing the songs of Moses and and of, and, of, and of Jesus on the crystal lattice, the, the crystal sea. This is in the book of Revelation. I mentioned that last week. We begin to see the tie-in of Moses to Jesus, 
of the mount that of the burning bush that would not consume. Because the Bible says, you know, where you're at here is not a continuing city. But there is a continuing city. Mount Horeb is not a continuing city in that similitude. But in the similitude that it represents as Mount Hermon, Mount Hermon is representing an eternal similitude. And let's read some more. Because this is, this is getting so interesting. Verse 22. But you are coming to the Mount Zion, that's Mount Hermon, and into the city of the living God. It's the city of the living God. The heavenly Jerusalem, and to an innumerable number of angels. Well, one of the things that Moses began to see when he saw the back parts, he said, you're not able to see me face to face. We begin to really now wonder what that that transfiguration was. Was there an actual transfiguration as a photo translation of the Father? Did Christ face for just a very brief period of time reveal the face of the Father in the whitening of that mountaintop experience? Because now it was covered by the blood of the life of Jesus Christ. Now it was a fire, not so much as some of the scriptoriums have developed with this consuming, but a yearning fire of love that was tied in with a syntonic power. And what is it saying? This Mount Zion, this Hermon, became a representation of the heavenly Jerusalem. We're talking about the Father's house, John 14. Because it's the city of the living God. Yes. It's the heavenly Jerusalem and the innumerable company of angels, the general assembly, the church of the firstborn, which are written in heaven. And to God the judge of all, and to the spirits of just men made perfect. And to Jesus the mediator of the new covenant, and the blood of sprinkling, that speaketh better things than that of Abel. This Mount of Transfiguration is tied into the Father's house. The Holy Jerusalem. Is tied into the Melchizedek revelation. And Abraham. Hey, tracks upon the mountain are getting more evident of an, of an, of an incredible revelation that is stunning of magnitude. Oh, blessed be the name of God. The multitude of the angels are tied into this thing. We had the 20,000 angels that came down on Mount Sinai. We had other instances of 
and, and Jude speaks of the 10,000 angels prophesied by, by and the leagues of angels prophesied by Moses, or pardon me, by Enoch. It's all tied together, ladies and gentlemen. It's all tied together. It's all linked. So, the prophecy you're going to be gathering to your people, what did that mean? Well, it meant that Moses now was going to be able to, through Jesus Christ, and face-to-face meeting with this this Lord and Savior by transassimilation and by the by the transferring of the Spirit of Christ upon him. That he was going to be able to recompense and fulfill all the things that he was had not been able to fulfill, and that he was going to be able to assimilate and take on Christ, and all of those that are also assimilating and taking on Christ are all fulfilling that scripture that says you'll be able to be gathered unto the, unto your people and gathered unto your fathers. It's a beautiful, beautiful thing. Not talking about a limited death, but talking in the vernacular that Jesus spoke of when he says, I tell you that this man sleeps. They said, no, no, Lord, that can't be. That'd be a good thing. He's dead. He said, no, he sleeps. He said, no, he's dead. Okay, if that's the way that you can understand it, go ahead and say that then. He, he died. He's dead. But in Jesus, he was asleep. And there's a lot more that lot more that goes to that. A whole lot more. Let's um, let's just think on a few other fast things here. As I've got to before too long begin to think about bringing this to to a close. But <clears throat> let me just talk about some neat things that were mentioned during this whole journey uh, of, of the Lord as, uh, you know, he, he took these journeys and and uh, went through the wilderness and went through all these uh, difficult uh, places, you know, that he did. Um, I mentioned this, I think, before too, but in Deuteronomy one six, it says, You have dwelt in this mountain long enough turn northward. North is also a symbol for mysteries of God. It's time for you to get out of the Horb Mountain and go northward to Mount, because north was toward Mount Hermon. It was the opposite end of the scale and of the land. You've been in this mountain long enough. We, we want to get that, that word out to the world. We want to get that word out to, to, to the people that believe in Jesus Christ. There, there is a level of understanding that you've been at. There is a level of reckoning that you have been using. And the Lord is speaking to you and he is saying, you have dwelt in this mountain long enough. It's time to go northward. It's time to go northward. And there was a a scripture in um, Deuteronomy twenty nineteen nineteen through twenty verse where on your journey 
as you are battling the forces, if you get into a battle that turns into a long war, the scripture says, build bulwarks against that city, against that dark forest, until you have subdued it. God is speaking to us today on these revelations, these these um, bulwarks, that we are to build these, these thoughts, these staircases. We are to build these staircases, these ways of conquering the enemy, subduing them. We see that we're facing a battle as a a long battle has turned into a long war, then you just start building these bulwarks. You start using transit simulation and understanding that you are you are actually involved in a long term process of resurrection. You 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 are living in Christ, you, you died in Christ and you're made alive in Christ. You're baptized in Christ. Wow. Absolutely wow. How God is is speaking and moving right now by His Spirit as I am speaking. I can just feel it out there. How God is is speaking to us. In Numbers thirty three fifty two, He said, When you drive out the evil inhabitants, and we're talking about these giants, there, there was a whole land of the giants and all kinds of different names of these different uh, uh, giants, including, you know, the, the, the uh, Og, O-G, the land of the giants, and King Og, and, and, and the underground city, Ezerai, and all those things that I mentioned last week about the, the plot and the plan of Satan to block with these giants to block the children of Israel from being able to cross the Jordan and fulfill their their rendezvous with God. And he says in Numbers 33:52, drive out the inhabitants and destroy their pictures and their images. And one of the things we have to understand in this drive toward this new revelation is that those old pictures have to be destroyed. Those old images and concepts have to be taken down just like Jesus said, I saw this this city, I saw this sanctuary. And when I saw this vision of it, there wasn't one stone left upon another. We have to tear down those images. We we have to we have to destroy that, that picture. Because as long as that picture is crowding into your mind, crowding into your memory, and, and I'm not talking about disassociation. I'm talking about ideologies that belong to the old line of defense. They don't belong to the transassimilation of taking on Jesus Christ and actually being in a process of taking on resurrection life and fulfilling the meaning when Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. So when you come unto Jesus, when you take on His life, when you take on His promise, and you're transassimilating, you are taking on resurrection life. 
And that's the power, the meaning of that. And that, that just perfectly ties in to the Mount of Transfiguration. Wow. Drive out the inhabitants. Drive out the enemy. Destroy their pictures. Pluck down. Pluck down their high places. What a beautiful moment. What a beautiful subject. This series is going to continue. We're going to continue next week with some very, very interesting things. But we are now at a point where we're beginning to really reveal the Moses picture. We're beginning to see that Moses had a right to be there. It was his destiny to be there. It was his prophecy. It was the only way that, in fact, that the prophecies of the Old Testament could be fulfilled. They could not be fulfilled. Because Moses was never gathered into his people of that day. It's only as he would be into this gathering to the people through this transassimilation in Jesus Christ. It meant nothing for him to be trans... And, and no wonder Satan wanted to stop that. No wonder Satan was saying, Now look, you had this prophecy. He's supposed to be gathering unto the people. You know, they're supposed to make a shrine unto him. They want to make a shrine. That's what Satan wanted them to do. But the angel... Archangel Michael said, I rebuke you, Satan. The Lord rebuke you. And he was not able to pull that off. And Moses was left free of spirit to gather on that day on the Mount of Transfiguration. And his tracks are all throughout the Bible. These scriptures that I've read you are his tracks. And there's so many more tracks that we have to show you. Now it's time to do some Gentile. <clears throat> Today, instead of Gentile, I would just like to do prayer. Our Father which art in heaven, we present to you this world. We present to you the souls of this world. We ask for the salvation of the people of this world and for your mercy upon those who are hungry and naked some who are starving and sick some who are lonesome some who have been belittled by every incident and turn of their life including even their own genetics who grapple with their own life and are barely able to hold on reach out Heavenly Father oh reach out let your love, your tender, merciful love, <clears throat> your spirit of truth, touch the people. And those that are listening to this, to this broadcast right now, and that will be listening from the recordings, if they are sick, if they are suffering in their body, precious Lord Jesus, cause your Holy Spirit to come upon them and heal them from the top of their head to the bottom of their feet. In the name of Jesus Christ, God bless you.
we're going to be sending out a letter that you will want to be part of this new campaign that we are going to be on called Survival Mind Crusade. You will not want to miss the information that's going to be coming through this tremendous crusade. We love you. God bless you. Good night.